If you have your copy of the scripture, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Just reading for you verses 24 to 27. We'll read that uh, in just a moment. I'll give you a moment to find that. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Very familiar passage for you, and one which we're using to talk about uh, what is for us the foundation for mission. So Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 24, says this. This is Jesus speaking. He said, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because its foundations were on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the stream rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's just pray. Heavenly God, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. I pray, Lord, that you lead us through it now. May your spirit teach us your ways. Help us, Lord, to be who you want us to be as your church, founded and grounded on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was actually um, this day in American history. I don't want to bore you too much with American history, but uh, this day in American history was the, uh, the first time that uh, a president ever um, uh, declared a, a public holiday. Now, I've been around Australians long enough to know you, you love your public holidays. Uh, many of you don't know why you celebrate your public holidays, but it's a public holiday in Silo. So, uh, well, today's the first day that America ever got an official uh, public holiday, um, and that was back in 1793. Uh, so, we've been enjoying our public holidays for a long time as well. And uh, this last weekend was a very significant public holiday in uh, American tradition, because in 1863, it was the 16th president, President Abraham Lincoln, who proclaimed that the last Thursday in November would be a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father. Uh, isn't that great? To have a president uh, declare that we should stop and have a day to give thanks and praise to God for His many blessings. And it was not until 1939 that President Roosevelt uh, changed the day a little bit to make it uh, the, uh, the fourth Thursday of November. Now that's confusing, isn't it? Uh, but they come to realize um, it, it wasn't always the last Thursday in uh, November, but the, the fourth uh, was consistent every year. And so uh, President Roosevelt made Thanksgiving the, the fourth Thursday of each November back in 1939, and we've been celebrating that ever since. There's time off of work, uh, time off to spend time with family, and give thanks to God for His many blessings. Now there are negatives nowadays which come with Thanksgiving. And that is that in America, the, uh, there's Thursday, which is Thanksgiving, and it's all about turkey and dressing and, and eating and giving thanks to God and spending time with family and friends. And then the following day is known as Black Friday. It's the first official shopping day for the Christmas season. And uh, it's, it's madness uh, on the Friday. But the Thursday, at least, uh, is a, a bit of a time away from all that commercialism that is Christmas, that is our capitalist societies today in a time just to stop and give thanks to God. And um, this, um, uh, sorry, this, this happened this last week in America. This was uh, the Thursday, and it kind of got me thinking a little bit about uh, America and about American hopes and dreams and traditions. 
uh, and something that we would commonly refer to as the American dream. Now, in America, everyone seems to uh, grow up to have the dream of having their own house and owning their own house and land, uh, maybe a, a white picket fence uh, around the property, uh, a wife and 2.5 kids, uh, according to the statistics. And uh, I've passed that one a little bit. Uh, we're up to, to six kids. But um, uh, you want a secure job and yet time with family and friends. Uh, I grew up picturing the American dream as having evenings uh, sitting out on the porch in my rocking chair, uh, listening to the crickets and chatting with family or friends, uh, sipping on a nice ice-cold sweet tea. Isn't that, that's a life, isn't it? I know some of you just go, oh, yuck. <laughs> Nothing better. That's just the, the American dream. Seems like it's just a, a picture of perfection. And yet it all just seems so sweet to me that it, it almost seems so picturesque and so beautiful and so wonderful that it often seems unattainable, doesn't it? And you wonder, does anyone ever meet the American dream? And yet you are born and raised and taught that you can be anyone you want to be and you can do anything you want to do in America. And many of you would say, only in America. You know, and you do some of these things. But um, I want to say that the church also has a dream. God had a, a vision, a, a plan for the church that He hopes, not only hopes, He plans for us to accomplish. And He actually will be the one to accomplish the things through us as we just surrender to Him. God wants much more, just like um, Americans want much more for themselves than they have at the moment, or than they have for a long time. God wants much more for the church than He sees in it today. God expects things for us, and he, he wants us to reach for higher goals. He wants us to expect greater things. He wants us to expect miracles because He's a miracle-working God. And so often we limit Him to a few songs and, and a message, and then we go on our way. God has a dream. The church should have a dream, really, that everyone in the world would come to know His love through Jesus Christ, that there would be no more war, no more conflict. Peace would reign supreme. No more hunger, no more famine, no more struggle, no more poverty, no more crime. An end to injustice. When all the world will know that they are cared for and they are secure and they are safe and they are loved by our infinite God. Now we call this mission. Sharing with the world the hope that is in Jesus Christ. This too, unfortunately, sometimes seems too lofty. Too high and unattainable for us as a church. But I guarantee you, nothing is unattainable for our God. Nothing is too big for our God. He is a God who wants justice. He is a God who sides on the side of righteousness. He is a God who performs miracles as we put our trust in Him. And so I want to challenge us in two areas uh, this morning. And first of all, it's just to say that sometimes... Sometimes we focus in every direction in the world, it seems, except for on Christ. And we've, we try to build our own kingdoms and our own life and follow our own dreams and forget about His plans and we forget about His Word and we forget about His ways. Now, this passage is, is a, a small passage of Scripture, only these three verses, but some great stuff in it and some words of wisdom for you who may have building plans out there. Because the, the foundation of a building is, is critical. It's important. Now, I'm no builder. 
Any of you who knows me know that you don't want me building your house. But I do know that the foundation is critical. The foundation is very important. I remember when we were leaving, uh, getting ready to leave Blacktown after a few years of serving there. Blacktown was building its first 15-story apartment building. Uh, and things are changing around there very rapidly. If you know anything about uh, Blacktown, they're saying within the next 15 years, they could have 20 15-plus-story buildings. Uh, some as more uh, 30-plus-story uh, buildings. And uh, the goal is to make Blacktown kind of the new Parramatta and replace that and be the center of Sydney. Now, I don't know if that sort of vision dream is going to go, but it's changing a lot. But I remember watching them, I think... This is kind of exciting. They're going to build this big 15-story building in a, what is it, relatively kind of two-story town of Blacktown. And they're building this. And I remember walking by and seeing this. I think, when's this going to get started? Well, they've got the big hole here. They've dug this hole, and it's this massive trench, like two stories down or three stories down. And it just stayed that way for long, and it's leveled out trench. And then they're filling the trench with, with concrete and steel and they're developing all of this base. And that took a number of months that slowly you would start seeing this be out and leveled out and then uh, the concrete and steel uh, put together and uh, molding the sides of uh, this, or all the concrete and stuff for the, the foundation. And the steel that goes beyond this is, is amazing. And you see this slowly get up to where after a number of months they finally reach ground level. Now, that doesn't sound like much progress, does it? If you're hoping to see this building. I walk by this building almost every day. Going, wow, what's changed now? Oh, nothing. Yeah, it's still there. It's still a hole. Now it's a hole with some concrete. This isn't going anywhere. But after they got all of that grounding done, all of that foundation, all that base done, within the next few months, all of a sudden they're up to 15 stories. The, the framing stuff went together. All of a sudden it's got sides on it and there's scaffolding everywhere and there's... there's a 15-story building there. And it's just amazing to see. Many of you may have uh, been watching the house uh, being built almost across the road here. And you know that it took them a few weeks to do all the foundation. They kind of, all of a sudden there was a house there. Then there wasn't a house there. It's dirt. Then they've dug it out. It took a few weeks to get this foundation. And within a week, what was on there? There was walls and there was shape. Within another week, they've got all the other part and, and the roof. And you go, it's almost scary how fast a house can go and build up once its foundation is, uh, is secure and it's done. Once you've got the foundation right, you're fine. So what is our foundation? In, in our Western society, we would often say, well, it's having enough money. It's being financially secure for the dream that you want to pursue. It's making sure that enough's there in the bank and enough is there to back up what's there in the bank so that you're set and you're okay. Some would say in order to accomplish the dreams you want to have, then you need to have some popularity. You need to have enough pull in the community, enough connections, enough foot in door, so to speak, so that you can get things done. Some would just say it's support. Uh, generous friends and uh, ones who might give to support your dreams and to, to see you through. What should the church have as a foundation for mission? It's simple, isn't it? It's Jesus Christ. We often get it in all the wrong things and we say, well, if we just have a better preacher, maybe things will take off. If we just have music that, that will blow people's minds, then things will take off. If we just have a better kids program or whatever it is, 
We throw it out there and we throw our own ideas and our own agendas out and we say, if we just get this, then everything will take off and, and we'll be on mission for God. And God says, no, no, He needs to be the foundation of all that we do. Psalm 118, verse 22, was written over a thousand years before Christ and tells us that Jesus, that stone that the builders rejected, it says, has become the cornerstone, the chief part of the foundation. He is my rock and my salvation. God and God alone has accomplished this. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus himself referred to that passage in Matthew chapter 21, uh, verse 42. Jesus uses Psalm 118 as he speaks, and he says, You've heard of the stone that the builders rejected. He said, I am uh, that stone. And anyone who trusts in me will live. Anyone who rejects me will not live, but will suffer. Now, those bold words for the Jewish high court, because they thought that they were, they set the law of the land and they set the agenda for the church. Jesus said, I have come that people might have life, and any who trust in me can have life. Any who don't trust in me will not have eternal life, because I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I have a mission to save the world, to share my love and hope with others, but it has to come through me. We have, as a church, to get our foundation, make sure that our foundation is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. He is our hope. He is our salvation. Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 is a great passage where uh, Peter and John are standing before the Sanhedrin. That's the Jewish high court of the time. And they're giving a speech for uh, kind of telling about what they've been up what they've been up to, what they've been doing. And it actually becomes a bit of a sermon in which they preach to the Sanhedrin. And they say, Jesus, the one you crucified, He is the stone that you have rejected, but He has become our salvation. He is the chief cornerstone of our life, our hope and our salvation. And they say, no other name. There's no other name in heaven and on earth by which men can be saved. Which in Roman times was a bold statement to make. This is under the Roman government, the Roman rule. And it said, Caesar is nothing against our God. You as the Jewish high court who set all the rules for your religious stuff is nothing to our God. He is all powerful. He is our salvation. And we ground our work. We ground our lives on Him. Why is this all important for the church? Let me read for you. A passage from 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, that again uses the symbolism of Jesus being the chief cornerstone, uh, the, the set foundation in which we are to build our lives. 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse, uh, verses 4 and 5. Sorry. 1 Peter 2, verse 4 and 5 says this, As you come to Him... The living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? As you come to Him, the living stone, Jesus Christ, who was rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, the believers in Jesus, are living stones, built up into a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
I want to challenge you actually to read through 1 Peter chapter 2, especially verses 1 to 10. Great challenges for us as a church in who we are in Christ Jesus as the people of God, His royal priesthood, chosen by God to share His message of hope in this world. And we can do that by first of all putting our foundation in Jesus, Jesus Christ as our foundation, putting our hope in Him and Him alone. He needs to be the cornerstone. He is uh, the, the chief stone in the foundation of all that we do. All the church is built on Him. We are all here to, to honor Christ and to serve Him, not to serve our own agendas or follow our own dreams. God may provide those dreams. God may not. God asks us to be faithful to Him and to choose to follow Him, to make sure that what we do in the ministries of the church what we do as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is based on Jesus Christ and fa- being faithful to Him and to His Word. To be formed into what God wants us to be, we need to first make sure that Jesus is the foundation of our lives. Jesus is the foundation of our church. The church isn't about the building. It's not about the facilities that we have. The church is the people of God, the faithful followers of Jesus, united together for His purpose. It's you and me basing our lives on the teaching of Christ, following the examples of Jesus, trying to show others the love of God that's offered to them through Jesus Christ. The great uh, Catholic nun, Mother Teresa, who worked there in Calcutta, India, in, in some of the most, with some of the most destitute of people, was asked one time, and many of you have heard this great quote of hers, but she was asked, how do you do it? How do you even associate with some of the people that you talk to and that you minister to and that you share God's love with? And she said to them, she said, I see the face of Jesus in every face I look at on the streets. I see Jesus in every face that I look at in the streets of Calcutta. I wonder, I wonder, when Jesus is the foundation of our life, if we as a church would start seeing Jesus in everyone we come in contact with in our community? Or do we just see the community? Do we see the challenges? Do we see the needs? Do we see needy people? Do we see people who are difficult to work with or minister with? Are we willing to share the hope that we have in God? We are if we have Jesus as our foundation because He is the grounding for all that we do. We're challenged then to see the faces of Jesus in all that we come in contact with. We are challenged then to share the love of God with those who are in need, those who are destitute, those who need hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ, an opportunity to bring that to the world. As I mentioned, there are two struggles, I think, in our church in setting our, 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 our vision and direction, our foundation, and, and in championing mission as a church. The first is getting our foundations right and that we need to make sure that that's grounded in Jesus Christ. The second, I think, is that we don't understand anything at all about the power of God. We underestimate Him. We think God's like us. Oh, I thank God that God's not like us. He's not limited like us. He is timeless. He is eternal. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. This is the God who created all things in His timing and His ways. This is the God who holds all things in His hand, all kingdoms. Kings and kingdoms submit to Him. This is the God who created the mountains and the sea. The God who can move any mountain that stands in His way. This is a God who will challenge us 
But He'll also unite us and He'll call us. He'll equip us. He'll resource us. He'll prepare a way for us. He goes with us and works through us as we have Him as the base and the center of all we do. He is a miracle-working God who changes poverty into blessing. He changes darkness into light. He changes sin and death into eternal life through Jesus Christ. And He asks us to put Him as the foundation and to never doubt who He is. We serve a great God. Our songs can never give Him enough praise. Our shouts, our shouts can never give Him enough glory, can never give Him enough adoration. It's like a a never-ending standing applause. Jesus just needs it. Now, one of the things, again, I need you American history, American tradition, and, and bore you, but one of the things I used to always love growing up is what they would call the State of the Union Address. Every year the president comes out and he gives an address stating the state of the union right now, the state of the country, and where we're planning on heading and where we've been. And it always it floored me and amazed me. Every year as I, I knew as Democrats and Republicans and whoever would, would battle out different sides, when they came to this address, the whole place stood in thunderous applause as I said the words, and now, ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. And as he'd walk out, it didn't matter about party lines anymore. It didn't matter about the political games kind of stuff. People were recognizing who he is. Now, this isn't about who the President of the United States is or whether you want to applaud him or not. This is saying... I remember growing up and hearing this sort of thunderous applause and seeing people laying down their differences, laying down their opinions and just saying, let's give him thanks. Let's, let's recognize where we are as a country. To me, a, a million times more. That's what God deserves. Millions and millions of times more. It's a thunderous applause that just never ends where we lay down our opinions. We lay down our hopes and dreams and we just say, you are Lord. Now, never forsake, never mistake me for saying the President of the United States is Lord in any way or should be followed anyway. Jesus should be followed in America. Jesus should be followed in Australia. Jesus should be followed in our churches. Not me, not any other pastor, not any singer, not any leader. Jesus Christ needs to be the foundation of our country. Jesus Christ needs to be the foundation of our church. Jesus Christ needs to be the foundation of your life. He is our salvation. He is our hope. He is our eternal God, everlasting power, mighty in every way. Mighty in love, mighty in strength, mighty in grace. He is all-powerful, and He can do far more than you give Him credit for. He can do more than you can ask or imagine. And He's already starting to do His great work through us as a church. He's willing to do so much more as we focus on Him, as we put Him as our foundation, and as we trust Him as our God, our strength, our Savior. Putting Jesus as the foundation of all that we do. Putting Jesus as a foundation for your family. Jesus is a foundation for our church. Jesus is our foundation for mission. If we want to reach out and we want to heal the world, we want to, uh, we want to see poverty change, we want to see an end to injustice, we want to see our community know His love and grace and mercy, then we need to put Jesus as the center of all that we do. We need to put Him as our foundation and we need to trust in His mercy and His power. Let me just lead us in prayer. Dear God, I just thank you and I praise you for who you are. Oh, you're, you're an amazing God.
You are holy and righteous and so worthy of all of our praise. And Lord, we thank you for times to sing out your praises and and to, to shout out your glory and your honor. For you're so worthy. Sometimes I wish we had the time just to to sing and to sing and to, to stand and to clap and just to adore you all day long. But Lord, I pray that we not compartmentalize our praise and worship for you. That we not just put it into times of song or dance or whatever that might be in worshiping you. But Lord, with every fiber of our being, help us to honor you. With every fiber of our being, help us to serve you. Help us to bring you honor and bring you praise by our very lives. Help us to bring you honor and praise by the direction of our church. Help us to bring you honor and praise as we lift you up in our communities and allow you to draw people to your healing salvation. Lord, thank you for who you are. You are a great God, strong in every way, mighty. As you lead us as your church out to serve you and to share your love and grace, Lord, help us to remember who you are. And Lord, be the grounding of all that we do in all the ministries and programs and whatever it is that we do as a church, may it be all about you. Be honored and glorified through all that we do. And God, help us to never forget what a powerful God you are and to trust you who wants to do even more than we could ask or imagine as we just put our trust in you. And we allow you to minister through us. Be glorified, God, through us as a church as we seek to set you as the foundation for our mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.